So Kevin, I'm going to flip the script here real quick. First off, I'm going to go through your resume, just so people understand just the depth. Director of Recruitment, EMEA for Oracle. Senior Director, EMEA Recruitment for Salesforce. Global Talent Acquisition, Cisco. Global Vice President, Talent Acquisition, IBM. So with all of that experience, what kind of advice can you provide to TA about how to do their job better every single day? Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Hong Kong Fooey, number one super guy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. And I'm Captain Caveman Sowash. And today we have Kevin Blair, VP Talent Strategy from Beamery on the show. Kevin from the UK, welcome. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. I appreciate it. <laughs> you sound it. not excited at all. It must be I happy know, hour. No, no I, I, was just, I was just drifting into Hong Kong fooey thoughts. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> t- you're, t- you're, t- you're taking me back, man. Just so everybody knows, if you don't know Hong Kong fooey kids, definitely YouTube Hong Kong fooey. That's Kevin's favorite childhood cartoon. We were having a discussion before that. When kids of the 70s have podcasts. That's, 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 that's what happens. So, so, Kevin, give us a little background, just history. You didn't. You haven't been at Beamer your entire life. Obviously, you've done many different things beforehand. Very steeped in the talent acquisition side of the house. So tell us a little bit about you before we jump into this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Happy to. So first of all, I am a career recruiter. And that's not by accident or lack of opportunity. It is entirely by design. So obviously, like the usual path being a search consultant and then moving in-house before, really before in-house was like a thing, certainly like a thing it looks like today. And so I took the opportunity to go in uh, when I had the opportunity to go and work for one of my clients and then was lucky enough to work at some of the world's biggest companies. So first major role with Oracle, then went did uh, a couple of years at Salesforce, then a, a big transformation body of work at Cisco over about four, four and a half years. And then up until uh, a couple of months ago, spent two and a, just over two years, two and a half years working at IBM, driving the transformation of their internal recruitment team. So that delivers that kind of 52,000 hires uh, into the organization. And then, yeah, I I, I then obviously had many opportunities to move into other parts of HR over the span of that career. But I like the product, right? I like the fact that our, our value is so tangibly obvious in terms of how we create value for an organization and how we we impact business performance. And so I've always, I've always struggled with the idea of moving away from anything that is, I think, could be less commercial. It's not to say other parts of HR aren't, but I really enjoy how you can make that connection through TA. And now I'm a beamer, as you said. All right, so. Kevin, you're you're not getting down. You're not getting away that easily. We rarely cross the streams with practitioners coming over to the vendor side, and and vice versa. Was the move to Beamery more about what was broken in TA, and you you hoping to fix it, or was it Beamery and what they offered was just so great that you know the allure of IBM, Salesforce, and all these big well-known companies drew you over there? And, and it's also interesting to note that you know you didn't leave for 
an Indeed.com or ZipRecruiter or maybe like a, a big brand job site. I mean, Beamery is just sort of off the beaten path. So I want to dig in a little deeper into, into what's maybe wrong with TA and why you left and, and what's really going on there. Where it came from is a couple of things. First of all, one of the opportunities I got through my work at, at IBM and, and partially through Cisco was being able to work with a multitude of companies in different sectors and really start to democratize the experiences I had over a long period of time. So, you know, like, you know, kind of walking in the shoes of many of the people who were, you know, kind of solved the same 12 problems, irrespective of business size and scale. When I was thinking about what's next and some of the things I wanted to do, I was very prescriptive about the fact that I want to build things. So that's the most important thing I want to build and create. And I want to be pivotal to working as part of, you know, many companies' transformation, either as a constituent component or as an advisor or, or, or just getting in deep around the tech stack and how they can re-engineer it. I guess where it came from with the Beamery piece was one, I, I met the founders and there was a, a connection there. I also looked at the roadmap and the development path they were taking the company towards and expanding out beyond the current portfolio, if you like, and actually starting to impact other areas where I think vendors maybe not stepped into as a practitioner that I would, would have really liked. So if I think about me as the buyer, and I, I've been the buyer in many situations of many of the, the different products, uh, offerings and streams out there, there's a couple of things that I always thought could be orientated a little bit different. The first one is what I would always do when I looked at a product is I could immediately see through whether it was just a shinier bell or a louder whistle, right? So selling to me on features and benefits isn't like a great way to position something with me because to me to get those features and benefits means me ripping out a big system, potentially purging a load of data. It's a lot of change management in my team. And just to go for, as I said, a shinier bell or a louder, louder whistle isn't exactly the thing that I'm going to orientate towards. So I, you know, you, you find yourself big kind of making do with latency or wastage or redundancy in your systems. And so for me, it was like, what do I need? I need something that's going to impact my operating model. I need something that's going to turn dumb data into smart data. How does that happen? So, you know, being able to, for them, be able to say, okay, I should be constructing my organization like this because my my systems are orientating my operating model to deliver greater value. So a bit of a long-winded answer, but that was at the heart of it. Okay, well, let's dive into that then. What will actually impact your operating level? You're talking about specific things that Beamery sold you on from a roadmap standpoint. And, and what is a roadmap? A roadmap is really vision, right? And trying to put that into tactical terms. So what did they sell you on that you saw happening with them that you didn't from all these other brands that were out there? It's not necessarily what I saw. It's it's that I saw my ability to impact that roadmap and co-curate it with them. And so that's, ah. that was what was attractive with me is I'm able to sit okay. down and say, okay, like I'm not interested like many vendors. And I, again, being on the receiving end of sales calls is like, when's your RFP? And I'm like, dude, are you asking me because you think that's helping me solve my problem? It's like going <laughs> way back. It's like, come and talk to me about like, what am I diagnosing? What am I, what's, what's my problem statement? How am I getting the route to value? I, I, and I think it's really interesting within HR now. And I've used this comment before. I always think about HR and where it is today. Like when I first went into the workplace and, and you guys probably did as well. Like, do you remember the IT director was like, oh, you know, when I went into the workplace, the IT director was like provisioning email, maybe put rolling out the Citrix thin client network and making sure, like maybe rebooting or reinstalling your Microsoft Office product, right? And then at some point, the CEO said, 
hey, IT director, I need you to be the CTO and I need you to get my salespeople 30% more productive. I need you to simplify and automate and standardize some of our processes. I need you to do all this. And so the CTO was born. It's like technology became value to the business, right? And then I think the same question has been asked by the HR of the HR leaders. And that's where the personnel department transitions to the CHRO. Now, they've been calling themselves entitled CHRO when the C-suite kind of, you know, kind of configured itself in that way. But actually, if you look at that journey that they're going on, it's like, okay, like, how are you going to demonstrate value? How are you going to create value? What does the CEO hear? What does the CHRO hear? What does the CHRO say? And how does the TA leader operationalize that? I've been in that situation. And so, therefore, it's, it's about putting a practitioner's mindset on the, okay, well, if, if recruitment's going to change and it fundamentally needs to change, like we need to stop hanging on to these, you know, the, some of the things I talk about, like the arbitrary set of KPIs that talk about productivity and that talk about experience. And I was actually having a conversation this morning with a peer in a, in a, in a, in a large company. And I said, we, we were kind of joking and saying, you know, we could drop ourselves into any company anywhere in the world and impact their recruitment KPIs positively. That's not to say we'd have a better service. It's definitely not to say we'd drive a, a better experience. But what we do know, after 20 years of doing this, I know exactly what levers to push, right? Now, that might be like you, 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 you tank something or, hey, we remove assessments. All of a sudden, hiring's five days quicker, right? You know, it's like, yeah, let's not pretend that that actually defines like value and, and that creates value. So, But Kevin, it seems like, okay, so you were at some huge fucking companies. Most of those companies, could impact a roadmap. You know that, right? There's no question. You impacted roadmaps at IBM, at Salesforce, at Cisco. You could do that. What this feels like to me, and what I'm not hearing, is that they need somebody on the inside, almost like you need to be an evangelist, almost teacher, to the rest of talent acquisition out there because they're fucking shit up. Yeah, I mean, not not everyone is uh, for sure. I, 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 and, and, and actually, but there's a lot. And, and, and listen, there's a lot of a lot of it comes from the the twenty years or the thirty years or maybe like the thousand years, depending on how long you think. Like the idea of, of of tasking people to do roles and rewarding them. So when recruitment began, and so I think that we've all been pushed towards this belief, and maybe this position of performance data is a defensive shield to insulate us from budget cuts, as opposed to turning it into a windshield to show where a company could go. So yeah, right. you, you, you can impact it. And if I think about where I started with this, so I didn't start, when I think about like the products I'm going to co-design and the work that we're going to do here at Beamery, I didn't start and say, what product do I need? I started by saying, what are the things that I'm trying to solve? And I actually wrote down, I, I, I kind of started writing this, if you like, this talent acquisition operating manual, where I said, okay, Ignoring technology, because technology will be the enabler, where does it start that we need to look at these things to fix? And currently we're up to 34 chapters in that operating manual, right? And it's literally like, you know, it's it's winding back to, okay, what are, what are we trying to drive? What are, what's the outcome we're trying to drive? How are we trying to transform to a point of demonstrating and articulating value so we can go on the front foot? And, and a te technology is a part of it. But actually, it is actually starting to not just create the evangelism, but it's creating some definitions and standards. So I'll give you an example. Like everybody talks to me when they talk about recruiters. They post, I want a, uh -huh. I want a 360 recruiter or I want a full stack recruiter, right? What does that mean? Right. Like that, that, like the recruitment role is so 
individually defined from company to company, particularly in enterprises right now. And I'm like, okay, maybe we need five definitions of recruiter. How do I know if I have an agile recruiter in my team? And I did a lot of work in agile. I built a huge agile practice. If I if I want if I have an agile recruiter, how do I know that that definition of my agile recruiter in IBM has the same definition as one at Microsoft and at SAP and at Oracle and at all of these other companies? How do I know that we're actually because if you go to sales, you you have global account executives, you have key account executives, you have you know SDRs, you have BDRs. You know, there's a pretty clear definition on, on or a narrower channel on what that work is. But a sourcer, what about swarming sourcing? What about agile uh-huh. sourcing? What about end-to-end sourcing? Like, we just haven't got definition that enables TA leaders to exchange information between each other to curate their operating models that actually talk in a consistent way to all of our benefit. Not so I can steal people from another company, but so you have sta- you have standards between companies. We'll get back to the interview in a minute. But first, we have a question for Andy Katz, COO of Next. For clients that are sort of married to email, what would you tell them in terms of the metrics versus text messaging? So the big difference between text and email is the open rate, where texts are getting a 96-plus percent open rate, and email could be getting in the 20s on average. The click-through rate in emails is somewhere between 1% and 6% on the high end. The click-through rate for text messaging is somewhere between 15 and upwards of 40%. So again, it's really more engaging because people are specifically opting into that form of communication. That's what they want. For more information, go to hiring.next.com. Remember, that's next with the double X, not the triple X. Hiring.next.com. Well, sales is accountable with their operating model by revenue, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, that's entirely different. The entire sales industry is predicated on, right, and being able to perform around being able to sell. So, therefore, there are lines that are drawn in the sand and creating these new methodologies. From our standpoint, who are we accountable to? Uh, I mean, that's the biggest question. And and should we not just change the operating model overall? Is that is that really what you're trying to push toward? 100% we should. I think, you know, first of all, who are we accountable for? We're accountable for the revenue. This idea of recruitment socialism, that every requisition has equal value to a company is ridiculous. When, when recruitment leaders set their capacity models, I am one of the leaders that when I look at 100 roles and I have five recruiters, I do not give five recruiters 20 each. I give 150, 130 and three on 20. And those 20 is what drives revenue and growth for the company. This idea that we arbitrarily peanut butter all of our capacity, all of our utilization against our demand is ridiculous, right? And so first of all, let's move away from that and let's start thinking, okay, how do we create a route to value? How does recruitment show it is a profit center, not a cost center, not a process optimization operation? It actually is going to create money and growth for the business because that's what we can do. We're in the unique position. We're not we're not doing, you know, engagement processes uh, or projects that may or may not impact productivity or revenue growth because we're not exactly sure how we would measure that. We have very specific measurements about what we do. You land if you're if you're running recruitment in a consultancy and they're on you have billable consultants, if you increase the velocity of your recruitment around billable consultants by 10 days, you drive tens of millions of dollars to the bottom line. Fact. So so we've got to start to orientate towards that. And and so as we get get into that, 
Like we've got to be more deliberate on how we how we define and create these operating models. And I think a big factor here, by the way, is is get away from these these ideas of things like TA delivery managers, right? What does a TA? Oh, 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 that's the UK delivery manager. That's the US delivery manager. Oh, that's the that's the North America sales delivery manager. We if we're going to have different types of recruiters, and as a result, that's the fallout of having prioritized work that's based around business value and complexity, and so therefore we have different services attached to the types of roles, the work that those recruiters do. We should have product owners, not just manage. We should have products defined in recruitment. We should have service lines. We should be measuring the resource capacity management utilization. We should be acting like a services business. We should not just be acting like a process business. Hey, Kevin, I'm curious. You touched on this a little bit. You know, a lot of vendors listen to our show. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of salespeople in this space listen to our show. And I I would, you know, I'd be amiss to not ask. You've been through a lot of sales pitches, a lot of sales calls. And then you took that knowledge of what works and what doesn't, and you took it over to a vendor. So I'm curious, what was Beamery doing right? What were they doing wrong? Um, And I'm talking more tactically here Mm -hmm. as opposed to strategic. But like, what did you change and what was good at Beamery from the sales process after having so much experience? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm early stages into the company, so I'm, I'm here now eight weeks, loving life, because as I say, I've got, I've got this three-pronged role of running talent acquisition in Beamery, helping customers that we have today enable themselves through moving further back away from the product. And obviously, you know, as I said before, like getting into the design of new products, new offerings, that kind of stuff. And what, I, what, what I'm able to think about is exactly what we said before around it's having the conversation at a, at a different point. So most vendors engage you at, if you think about seven stages of uh, the, the, the process, you have diagnosis, problem, root to value, business case, budget, tech stack, uh, alignment, and RFP. Right now, vendors mostly come at you in stages six and seven, tech stack alignment and RFP, maybe in budget. Very rarely was I ever attempted to be engaged at a, at a place further back. I remember when I was going on the, the transformation journey, and I was a long way from thinking about like what's next for tech and where we're going to go and how we're going to maybe collapse the stack a little bit and go more more, more horizontal and vertical with these big big entrenched systems. And I remember sitting, like thinking someone on the phone to me, and I wasn't being playful, but someone phoned me up, I, I, and I, 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 I held this after the call, and they kind of like, hey, you're doing this transformation, we're, we sell this product, we do this. And I remember saying, like, I remember on the phone, I'd say, oh, yeah, we're not going to be at that point for 12 months. And then they hung up the phone. And I was kind of sat there thinking, okay, but I'm actually doing all this other stuff over here. Like, you can help, you can absolutely help me with this crap if you're able on the basis that I still have, like, millions of dollars aligned to that transformational piece of work. But you just want to know where my RFP is, right? And that's not <laughs> that's not aligning to my values. Uh, but that's not aligning to the where I need the value, sorry, from this conversation. And so there's an element of, like, you know, it's actually having a, the, the conversation at different stages and understanding, like, how can you help? Because I don't know what I'm doing in every single situation, right? I have the benefit of a lot of networks I can pull on to get experiences. I have a lot of friends in the sector. I have a lot of friends and vendors, and I have the benefits of being able to lean in and say, hey, I'm trying to solve this problem. How do I do it? And I think the vendors can be more, hold themselves more to account in a very positive way for helping with that and actually, you know, curating their experiences from their customers and trying to create this this opportunity to to bring that together. And I, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. And, and, and I do truly believe, and I, you know, I, 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 get, I know every, every person that's in the buy-in stages and me on the other side, and maybe some vendors will have a different opinion of me on that sense. But I always, if, if you were a partner, you were an absolute partner and you can talk to, you know, I think about some partners I've worked with over the years and, you know, you think of well, like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, someone like John Wilson over at Wilson HCG, someone I've partnered with on a couple of times now through a couple of different cycles. Like he would validate, he, I, they go deep in my company. Like if you're in, you're deep, you're 
you're in everything. You're not just in like providing headcount and resources. Like I'm all over you for all kinds of services, support, all over you for, for insights and, and data and, and all this kind of stuff so I can help refine what I need. And it's not just tied to what is the product I'm buying off you. So Kevin, I'm going to flip the script here real quick. First off, I'm going to go through your resume just so people understand just the depth. Director of Recruitment, EMEA for Oracle. Senior Director, EMEA Recruitment for Salesforce. Global Talent Acquisition, Cisco. Global Vice President, Talent Acquisition, IBM. So with all of that experience, what kind of advice can you provide to TA about how to do their job better every single day? When I talk about some things like like agile methodology or requisition prioritization, one of the things I did, I did a presentation recently to a group of UK recruitment leaders. Um, it was through uh, through Jamie Leonard's group. I presented that group, and I remember someone coming after, coming up to me afterwards saying. You know, it feels like some of that is easy for you to talk about this operating model, this business value, this you know, looking into difficulty of, of hire and, and, then, and then applying agile to work on the most effective roles, you know, because you have this scaled organization. I'm like, but is it really because I have that? Do you not think you can take these principles down to even 10 requisitions or a, a five person recruitment organization? Do you think that I created like, you know, disproportional workloads for recruiters to drive better outcomes for high value stuff? I didn't do that because I had scale. I had, I did that because it was the right thing to do. So as you're in, in this everyday working process, think about, you know, applying principles and methodologies, not just applying wholesale enterprise level changes. And it does work. And I, and I see as much as, you know, I, I get involved with many, many smaller organizations where I actually see the tangible impact of those things happen in, in real terms. And just because you're in an enterprise, you say, you know, big names, you know, like we talked before, like big organizations, a lot of hires. You know, do you think proportionally my budget was always bigger than everybody else's just because it was? Or do you think I was actually more squeezed to drive operational efficiencies? I'll leave you guys to figure it out. I'm sure you have an opinion. I'm going to go with the latter. Yeah, right. So, so I'll tell you, like, just, you know, I sometimes go into like smaller organizations and they're like, we can't possibly run it to the level that you run of like this kind of hyper prioritization stuff because our cost per fill is like six and a half thousand dollars. I'm like, whoa, it's as much as that. Wow. You could do loads more with that if you wanted. So I think the first thing is like, just, you know, don't feel like these, some of this stuff that, that feels like it's enterprise level is, is excluded from, from any scale of recruitment operation and, and any scale of recruitment business. And then the second thing is lean on your vendors. Like these are these all have experiences with other companies. You know, ask for their support and help. Like, you know, even if it's not related to the product, I know sometimes there's trust issues where people are like, yeah, but they just trying to upsell us, cross-sell us, you know, resell us, whatever, right? Okay, but also, you know, so you feel like they're controlling the conversation and you don't want to get into, you put yourself in that position. Well, take back control. Like say, actually, I'm doing this. Who else are you? Do- who else are you working with that's doing that? And how are they solving? And introduce me to them because we're both customers. And I want to go and talk to that customer about a different problem. There's nothing to do with you, vendor, but you have a connection with them, and I want that connection. I want to. I want to leverage your networks and your customers to help me do my work. And I think that's a powerful thing. Kevin, thanks for your time, Woo-hoo! man. My pleasure. Great. So, for our listeners who want to learn more about you and or Beamery, where should they go? First of all, I, I, it'd be remiss of me being a recruiter not to say, just hit me up on LinkedIn, right? Because that's that's yeah. uh, a light, a lifeblood right there. So definitely hit me up. Go to obviously beamery.com for the products, but actually for a personal connection, reach out to me via LinkedIn. And as I said, like the important thing for me is I want to democratize my experience as much as I can. And if I can't help you, I know people that can. And just reach out and lean in. Honestly, like this is the only way we're going to do it is do it together. And that's why it's all about this co-creation piece. I'm getting on board with. Make that connection, people. LinkedIn. Kevin Blair. Excellent, dude. Thanks so much. Thanks, sir. Hi, I'm Emma. Thanks for listening to my dad, the Chad, and his buddy Cheese. 
This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Be sure to check out our sponsors because their money goes to my college fund. For more, visit chadcheese.com. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.